Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello again, and welcome to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I'm your host, certified sex therapist Lori Watson, author of Wanting Sex Again, and blogger at Psychology Today and WebMD. And I have with me Dr. Adam Matthews, my co-host, who's a couples therapist, psychotherapist, and president of NCAMFT. Foreplay is dedicated to helping couples keep it hot. Thanks for listening. Now on to today's topic. Hey, everybody. We are back from our weekend in Asheville, our retreat in Asheville. And I had breakfast this morning, and we did body pump, which was like an exercise class with Shelly and Carol, our girlfriends from the retreat, our fellow presenters. Yeah, they were awesome. They were amazing, weren't they? Yeah, they're they're my new besties. Uh, I like them. <laughs> I'm so we glad you coffee. did you did body pump without me. I should I know, I should I add. Know. I should add. I didn't you get I didn't get to do us, I didn't get to do breakfast. the body pump. <laughs> That's right. Okay, actually there I'm was actually, I think there was one man in the class. Definitely at least one man in the class. Yeah. But it it kicked me, man. Did it? Oh, yeah, I'm hurting. Yeah, I can never do those body pump classes for that reason. There's usually <laughs> only one other guy in there or no guys yeah, in there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I, I wanted to share with everybody, you know, kind of what happened on the retreat. It was awesome. It was so lovely mm-hmm. in Asheville. And we plan to do it again in the fall. And I, I just wanted to read one of the testimonials that we got. Uh, somebody wrote in anonymously and said, attending Love and Sex 360 was a great decision for our marriage. We gained skills to heal and strengthen many weak areas of our relationship. And we left with a renewed sense of hope, intimacy, and understanding. Shelley, Carol, Lori, and Adam were all warm, funny, caring, knowledgeable, and relatable, of course. Um, and they were down-to-earth professionals who know their stuff and know how to truly help couples. Their expertise, plus the retreat structure of small group workshops, private therapy, and free time in beautiful Asheville was a key to our wonderful experience. Also, the equal emphasis on love and sex was perfect. We needed this, hoping there will be another one, part two, so that we can learn to work toward an even deeper, more meaningful connection in our marriage. Oh, that's so good to hear. And that is really the reason... Uh, why we do all of this, to see changes in relationships and to see them grow, to see them be better than they were in all areas. So we're thankful for the ones that attended. And we are having another one. We'll hopefully yes. have those dates yes. we're having soon. Dates. We, we hope it's in the fall. If it's in the fall, Asheville in the fall, you guys, if you haven't been, it is go. beautiful. And it is the best. Yeah. I mean, it's just incredible. We're actually thinking about breaking the courses from the private therapy. So maybe the coursework will be more affordable for some people and then electively they can choose to do private therapy with one of us four, so. Yeah, so make sure to be following us because we'll put out announcements about that relatively soon. Um, Today, 
we are talking about a sex game to change the game, really, right? <laughs> Isn't that what sex Yeah, games, we're going to talk about a sex game. A sex game. You're yeah. so excited about this. You get giddy. When we talk about stuff that's a little spicier, Lori gets so giddy. I can't even tell y'all. I she do loves like it. it. I do like it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I want to say what we're not going to talk about. Yeah, we're, what we're not we're talking not about. We're not really talking about a kink lifestyle. We're... You know, we're not going to talk about a true abuse of power like in the Me Too movement or or what the millennials are calling these days, no means no, and yes means anal and choking, which is making me sick. I mean, in terms of the power problem in that is just off the charts in my mind. And we've heard that from many people yeah. that in that age group, but that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about the abuse of power. We're talking about consensually changing and experimenting with a new way to deal with the pursuer distancer problem and dynamic. Mm -hmm. Also, sex therapist Marty Klein, who some of you might know, says individuals and couples run into trouble when they use power unconsciously or use power to manipulate. Can you tell, for people that don't know, Lori, what are we talking about when we talk about power dynamics in relationships? What exactly does that mean? Because I think sometimes people hear power and that they don't know if it exists in their relationship specifically. Uh, well, I think power is both a dynamic that exists in all our relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, the struggle for power, the struggle for who's up and who's down. I think in the sexual relationship, it's both a theme about uh, that contributes to arousal sometimes and also um, a problem. You know, for instance... I would say that every sexual pursuer feels like their partner holds the power of the sexual relationship and every sexual distancer feels like they are being controlled by their partner, which Mm. the irony is that they both feel powerless. Yeah. You know, but they feel this kind of push pull between the two of them. Right. That feels like they're always trying to get the upper hand. I think there was a Seinfeld episode that they talked about this. They called it hand who who had hand in the relationship. No. Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> but that's the that's the idea. Right. That back and forth, that tension in the relationship to try to get what's perceived to be the upper hand in the relationship. Right. Specifically right. sexually. Right. I think because there's such vulnerability in the worry and fear that our partner will take advantage of us. Mm. You know, I think that's why people tend to not want to go first in terms of giving to their partner because they say, right, if I give to my partner what they want, then they're just going to take it. Yeah, They're going to walk away satisfied and not attend to my needs. They're not just going to take it. They're going to continue to take it, right? Over and over and over again. There's not going to be an end to the amount of taking that they're doing. I'm going to be used up, um, Mm -hmm. treated like a doormat, not had my own needs met. It it turns out, though, that with ordinary humans, and what I mean by that is people who are not highly pathological, when we reach for our partner, giving them our vulnerability, it turns out that our partner reaches back and more softly uh, wants to give to us. Hmm. Yeah. And so are there ways that you're seeing this in couples that you you see? Yes. Specifically? What does that look like? So. I mean, unfortunately, in the power dynamic, the sexual distancer tends to be more submissive. Um, They defer to what time the partner decides that they should have sex, what sex sex acts are going to happen, and where they're going to have sex. I mean, I I had a um, female patient who 
was thinking about initiating and really challenging herself. She said, I stood in the doorway, literally, for 30 minutes thinking I should go up to your office, he worked from home, and just tell you I want sex. She even put on like, not lingerie particularly, I think it was like a sexy robe or something. And she had it on and she said, I turned around because of this internal part. She didn't see herself as having that kind of power to start the event. She wanted sex. She liked sex. But it wasn't in her repertoire to feel like she had the power to initiate. So she took the robe off and like changed back into her ordinary clothes, did not initiate sex. Mm -hmm. So sexual distancers are often more submissive in the marriage and feel like they lack power in many ways. So she wanted to take control. She wanted to take some of the power and some of the initiative, but could not bring herself to do that. Yeah. And she knew her husband would be delighted. I mean, she was confident that he would receive this, that he would, you know, feel good about it and feel wanted and desired. She still couldn't make herself do it. It just was not her role. Mm-hmm. In the relationship. In the relationship. Do you think she would have been able to do that in a different type of relationship? Yeah, I mean, I if, think if their that, dynamic was different. Uh, I I think in other relationships, this woman, you know, adequately takes control of her life. Yeah. You know, manages people, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And sexual pursuers tend to be more dominant, right? Initiating, they manage sex, they manage even the moment of sex, manage even the sexual positions that they get into. They, you know, decide on the variety. They're likely the one who says, hey, go go put something sexy on or, you know, I want to do it on the couch or they make more of the suggestions. They they do more of the ask, right? They They do more of the ask. They make the ask. They say, this is what I want. And they're they're initiating a whole lot more, obviously, as pursuers. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's their way uh, that feels like control to the sexual distancer. To them, it feels like they are they are not getting what they want. So they're almost it's almost a desperation sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, I think sometimes it feels natural to them to dominate the sexual Mm -hmm. space. And sometimes I think they get tired of dominating it and you know, want their partner to at least co-participate in some sort of equality or way that reassures them of their desirability. Mm. But do you think sometimes with sex that we want to be the take the opposite role of what we'd normally take in life? Right? I do. I, I, I think that there is something in the sexual relationship that where the vice president of the company says, you know, I just I just want somebody to give to me, just do me. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, maybe the person who is in a job or a position in life where they are having to maybe be the employee and take orders all the time that they really want to show their stuff and take over and take control. And that can be very exciting. Mm. I had this couple, a man and a woman, a heterosexual couple who she really wanted to be dominated. She wanted a very aggressive expression of his sexual desire for her. Mm. He wanted, she wanted words. She wanted dirty words. She wanted kind of movement that was powerful. And for her, um, this was very deeply reassuring to her about her desirability. Mm. She had grown up a beautiful woman and had always gained attention that way from men and actually realized and told openly said in the session that she had used her beauty to kind of control men and 
this was reassuring to her. She knew that if her partner was attracted to her, they would belong together. Mm. And so it was this deep reassurance. I know he's really attractive. And her partner did think she was very attractive, did find her stunningly beautiful, but had great difficulty in saying so. And actually, his fantasy was more about being dominated. Mm. Um, His fantasy, what turned him on was being controlled. You know, he imagined her taking over, you know, with stilettos and heels and, you know, basically really demanding from him something. In fact, this was the fantasy that he used in order to achieve an erection. Like without that fantasy, he couldn't get there. Hmm. Um, but he he didn't want to share this with her. And he said to me privately, he said, you know, Lori, we both have the same fantasy, which is the other one would dominate us. So how in the world can we possibly resolve this? Which, yeah. of course, I think, you know, how about taking turns? Right? Yeah. I mean, you're in a long-term sexual relationship. How about turn-taking? Well, what I'm excited about is we're going to come back after the break, and you're going to kind of talk to us about an intervention that you have used, that you've come up with with couples, um, that can be really powerful for couples to kind of help kind of break this cycle um, that they're caught in to be able to reverse some of this pursuer-distancer dynamic and to be able to share some of this with each other. So we'll take a break and we'll come back and talk about it. Back with the sex game. So just a quick word about our couples intensives that both me and Lori offer. Oftentimes healing in relationships, it just takes more than the average 50 minute session every week over several months of time. Couples intensive therapy offers an alternative to that. What happens over a weekend, typically 12 to 16 hours, somewhere in there, that really helps to calm high conflict situations, build more healthy patterns of communication, and really it's a jump start to change, right, Lori? Like Absolutely. it can be something that can really catapult you into change a little bit quicker than the average once a week type of therapy situation. I think so. And People ask me, what does it look like? What do you do? And usually for me, I do a three-day itinerary. The first day is basically coming to why did they come at this point in their relationship? What is their current functioning? And then often maybe that's a Friday night, Saturday morning, we start talking about what is the dynamic? Where's the toxic cycle? And then we look at their family of origin. And I would say by Saturday afternoon, that's the time that we start to really dig into how do you stop the toxic cycle? And maybe if the problem is over sexual difficulties, there's an assignment and a discussion about what that will be. And they usually complete that assignment in their hotel room all by themselves. You know, we don't do any of that, you know, supervision of that. But we then the next morning debrief that and talk about you know how the assignment went. There is often time at this point because of the amount of hours that we've spent together to perhaps process one trauma from the past as well. So it, you know it's a really intensive way of working. It's my favorite way to work and you know I'm reducing kind of my weekly caseload at this point so this is where I'm directing my efforts in clinical work. Right. You also get a post-intensive action plan to take home with you to follow up. We plan how you can continue this work for you. But we'd be happy to talk to you more about if you feel like an intensive is right for you, whether it'd be good to work with me or with Lori. So give us an email at info at foreplayradiosextherapy.com. 
So I, I wanted to talk about this couple a little bit further and then reveal the sex game. But in this couple, one of the things I have found in my work is that the brain doesn't particularly distinguish who is being the aggressor. So sexual excitement is created regardless of who is sort of more energetic. It's shared between them. Mm -hmm. And so people who are disappointed in their partner's lack of assertion, I, I think aggression is a difficult word and probably not the best, but maybe strong initiation or evidence of drive. Well, we um, talked about it in terms of kind of that animal desire. Yeah. That there is a sense of... Lust. Lust, right? Lust is a, in, in the relationship can be a good thing of just innate desire that can't be controlled. Yeah. Right? I think that's, that's so what we talk... That's sexy. That's, what, that's kind of what we talk about when we're talking about aggression, right? Right. It's, we, don't, we don't mean violence. We don't mean harm to the other person. We mean, I've got to have you now... Right how, fa how fast can we get our clothes yeah. off? Yeah, exactly. Type of stuff. Yeah, exactly. So I think that can, if you're disappointed in a partner who doesn't provide that and you need that to turn on, I say, try it. Try it yourself. And people say, you know, that's not in my bailiwick. I can't do that. I don't, I need back, the turn on of the you, other. You did it again. You did it again. I don't know. What's a bailiwick? Lori, <laughs> if you if you haven't been listening for long, Lori likes to just throw these words out and like run over them and act like I like we should all know what they mean. I don't. She's so smart that she just has this huge vocabulary. Yeah, yeah. If it's um, not not your cup of tea, right, is that the if same? It's not your cup of tea, Bailiwick. Okay. I don't know. Bailiwick is like your. Um, it's your sphere of expertise. Ah, got okay? it. I'm okay. with you. If it's not where you like, you know, feel your strengths lie. Um, go ahead and give it a shot. I mean, especially when you have, um, when you're desiring something more to happen mm -hmm. in the sex life, you know, just ramping it up personally, it's the coolest thing. And people have reported to me, my patients have said, it really works. Go ahead and, and be very assertive, be very open with your desire and your lust. And even, even if it's a bit of play acting, yeah. You know, it kind of generates more energy. Yeah. Right? I mean, sometimes, Adam, you know, when we sit down and podcast, we don't necessarily, you know, it could be an off day for us. We might have low energy. I might be burnt out from right. the, the muscle pump class or something. But, right, we sit up, we have caffeine, we start Just talking. call it muscle pump. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's, a, that's it? a slip slip of the tongue. Muscle, it's, it's a muscle pump. I want, to I want to attend a muscle pump class. I just want you to know that. I don't know if I can get behind body pump, but I can get behind muscle pump. Okay, muscle pump, definitely. But no, you know what I, I mean? You're right. like we, we, have to... we bring energy, and then I, I feel like it resonates between us and then we get excited about what we're talking about, and there's this reciprocity that happens. Yeah. So so the longing for what you want from your partner, sometimes giving that really helps, and I, I think especially in terms of sexual energy. I think I've heard clients sometimes ask me when I talk like that if they if I want them to fake it until they make it. And that's I think that's the that's the lesser version of what we're talking about. We don't mean I don't think you mean faking it until you make it. I think you mean I think accessing something. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, it, it's like yes, sometimes, occasionally, right? When we play act, uh, when we put on lingerie, at least women, when we put on lingerie, you know, it's like you may feel anxious. You know, it, it, like coming out with bravado and having confidence and acting great about it. It's a little bit of, you know, false 
play acting in the beginning until maybe you see your partner's response and they get into it. And then you're like, hey, yeah, I am all that, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, some of it, yes, we have to go through this uh, part of us that feels anxious about acting in a new way. But there is a part of us that is genuine there. It's the part yeah. that we want um, like the, we the, want it the woman, us. yeah, the woman that's standing in the doorway, she wants that, but to be able to get over that hump, sometimes she's going to have to pretend like she's somebody else maybe. Yeah. Right. To access that, that part of her that access really wants tiny that connection. part of herself. Right. Yeah. So until it grows, it. until she mm-hmm. knows how to, I w- almost would just talk about this in terms of practice. It seems like to me, it's like if I, the first time that I gave a speech, for example, I had to get over that anxiety part of me that was there. But the exactly. more that I did it, the more confident I became in my ability to speak in front of people. I would, To me, it would be the same thing. Or it might be, you know, when you're going to your muscle pump class, the first time <laughs> is going to be the hardest. But, you know, after that, Second time. the more times that you do it, you're going to eventually access a part of you that wants to be there, that is excited to be there, and that feels like um, muscle pump is just for you. <laughs> I'm you starting. Just, you just wanted to say. I muscle just want to say muscle pump. Like pump. Three I'm, times, I'm right? starting. I'm starting a new gym called Muscle Pump. Are you really? Oh yeah, totally. Don't no. give I've them. A, don't give them a uh, trademark. That's copyrighted. Okay. 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 <laughs> so um, also, as much as there is excitement that can be generated in taking control and being more assertive, there can also be excitement in giving up control and becoming passive. There's this guy, Dr. Leon Seltzer, who wrote about active and passive relationship dilemmas and uh, particularly in the sexual realm. And he says, you know, it's fairly easy to see why many men uh, would find tantalizing the idea of practicing a new form of control through fantasizing, ironically, the novel pleasure of totally relinquishing control. And what he's talking about here is that active and passive parts of ourselves get acted out in relationships, but we have both. We have both aspects, and both of these aspects are part of our pleasure sexually. That's why, like, when we grow and we give pleasure, that's, we actually passively receive pleasure. Yeah. Does that it, make sense? It does, it, but it took a PhD to say that males would would find tantalizing the idea <laughs> of relinquishing control. <laughs> like, listen, just talk to one of them. Like, <laughs> like yes, yes, that is, that is hot. That is yeah. going to be something that they all will say yes to right away. Okay, okay. Well, um, so I am working with a couple who is really caught in the pursuer distancer dynamic. Uh, Traditionally, he is the pursuer. And I think this man really feels sex as his tether to the world, to his feeling of belonging to his partner. And, you know, it's, it's deeply important to him. But also his anxiety about having it frequently enough often results in her feeling controlled, pushed away, burdened, like she has to please him or he will dissolve. She has to take care of him. And so, you know, she becomes mother in her taking care of him, which is not at all sexy. What does Um, his anxiety push him to do? Well, I think his anxiety is pushing to have frequency But I believe that 
deep in his heart what what he really wants is reciprocity. Yeah. He really wants her to come to him on th- in this realm in a way that she brings her whole self and knows her whole self. But because he kind of crowds the space with his pressure to have frequency, that never happens. And they've been married a very long time. Mm. And so what I proposed to them was a new sex game. And it really is about him relinquishing control completely and her taking control. And I think he caught the idea right away uh, when I said this, uh, I'm not exactly talking about um, a kink idea or a BDSM idea of master slave or master servant. I'm, although that's the language that is used in that community, mm. um, I, I'm talking about this a, a conscious decision to do this. Um, yeah. And I w- I would say to all you pursuers, you're going to hear this, you're going to love this. Don't try this at home, please, because it's just yeah. one more pressure if you initiate it. Yeah. If um, you're the distancer, you yeah, might you could bring it up, right? If you're the distancer, this would be a great idea to bring up. Um, but what we agreed on is that for a certain number of days that they were to decide on themselves, uh, that she would be solely in control. And she could say to him, you are not to ask me for sex, period. And he said, well, what if I break that rule? I said, okay, then she can punish you, essentially, you know, discipline you in any way she wants, which may be, I'm going to add one more day of no sex to your no sex regime. And what he got about that was that even though for her, she may say, okay, great, don't ask me about sex for two weeks. You know, actually, she was controlling it and Mm. therefore controlling the space between the two of them. And therefore, they were sexually connected. I think he really heard that. And at the beginning, she was sort of saying, okay, I'm I'm just going to say, don't ask me about sex for a month. And he was like, wait, 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 I want to have some agreement that she's going to be, you know, searching her own heart and understanding her own eroticism. And I want some rules around this. And I said, no, this is the gig. You don't, you are the one not in control. You don't get to determine anything about this time and space. You have to submit to her completely because What I really know is going to happen is that during that space, especially if he, you know, sort of abides by this agreement, she will feel a breath. I mean, this is a woman who actually likes sex, has orgasms, says he's great and bad. I mean, she's very complimentary. She says he's a generous lover. It's not that she doesn't want to have sex. It's that she's tired of being pressured by the dynamic. Mm. And so finally she's like, okay, you mean I get to say everything? I said, yeah, and you get to say when you want it. Because she told me recently, I thought about having sex recently, but then, you know, she kind of dropped the ball and then he initiated. But if if there had been that space, she probably would have initiated. And and this is a good thing. This is not particularly a low libido woman. Yeah. He's afraid that she's low libido. She's a, he's afraid that she won't come toward her him. And so I said, okay, let's just turn it on its head. I mean, what have you got to lose, right? You've been doing this for 20 years this way, you know, two months even. You you don't have much to lose as an experiment to see if she can get in touch with her eroticism and what it's like to be the one in control. Yeah. I think that's, you you hit on something to me that is so important when when we're trying to reverse the pursuer distancer dynamic is that 
the idea of approaching this change in the sex game as an experiment, as something that you're trying, because oftentimes we get fearful of trying anything, right? Yeah. We just do the same thing over and over and over again. And what I hear you saying is that, especially with this couple, but when couples are caught in this dynamic, that completely changing their roles can really break that up yes, and give them a new way of relating to each other. And as you said, bring the energy back into the, the sexual relationship. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I, I thought it was, uh, I've tried this with another couple as well. And they too understood the psychological change. So mm-hmm. I think, I think it's brilliant. I think people should try it. Um, if you, you're the, Adam. if you're the sexual distancer, you bring that up. If you're the sexual pursuer, you wait, you don't talk about this. Right. Don't even slide the episode across the table, so to speak. <laughs> right. right. Um, if you want help to try to figure out how to initiate these kind of activities, give us a call, find a sex therapist, get into therapy. But we really believe that you can reverse that pursuer distancer dynamic mm-hmm. um, and that the ability to do that can really lead to breakthroughs in your sexual relationship. Exactly. Well, thanks for listening. You can now call in your questions to the 4Play question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-THE-NUMBER-4-PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. Hey, help us stay on top here at 4Play. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.